what does it mean to bring our whole selves into the world, to give ourselves the gift of unconditional acceptance? Join me as we learn together. I'm Jorgen Salvis, and this is Unshaming. Hey everyone, Jor here with Unshaming, and this week we are unshaming sex work. I had the pleasure of speaking with a dominatrix here in New York City named Goddess Talia. For those of you who don't know what a dominatrix is, don't worry because we actually talk about that in the episode. Now I can tell you she did not hold back. (laughs) There were several moments where my mouth was literally on the ground, and I'm sure yours will be too. This episode is definitely not for the closed-minded. It's raw, it's explicit, it's real, it's vulnerable, and it's unshaming. So without further ado, this is Unshaming Sex Work. My name is Goddess Talia, and I am a pro-dom based in New York City. What is... Dom, what is that short for and and what is it? Dom is short for domination and it is the act of asserting one's power and authority over another or a group of people. Uh, I am a dominatrix, which means that I am a female that practices domination. What are some of the services that you offer? Um, I offer everything from corporal punishment, sissification, puppy and horse training, CBT, SPH, all forms of humiliation. I also do wrestling and role play. So any kind of role play scenario, everything from pain and torture to hypnosis and mind control to the more subtle and gentle forms of domination, like sissification, financial domination. How did you hear about this? How did you start getting into dom work? (laughs) Well, it started, I guess, almost two years ago now. I was talking with a girlfriend of mine, and she had mentioned these foot fetish parties. I've always known that I had really, really beautiful feet. So I decided, you know, I was going to work at these foot fetish parties and make some extra cash to help pay off student loans and things like that. And pretty quickly met somebody that, a man that ran a collective of doms. He asked me if I wanted to join. And it was a really crazy learning process. I was kind of thrown to the wolves. I didn't get any training whatsoever. I just had to figure it out on the fly. I remember my first domination session. I just kind of got shoved into a room with the client and had to figure it out, which was really difficult because there's not a lot of information about how to be a dom. There's a lot of information on doms and the life of doms, and there's a lot of porn but what 
I do, even though I guess categorically I am a sex worker, I do not do full service, meaning I do not perform sexual acts. Mm. So watching porn didn't help me at all. Are you ever touched? Um, occasionally I am touched if the sub or submissive asks permission and I grant them permission. But this is mostly with my loyal repeat subs that I've seen for a year. They have worked for the honor of touching me. Sub is the client. Yes. Yeah. It's short for submissive. So I'm curious if you could tell us what one of the most interesting stories has been with you and one of your subs. (laughs) Wow. There are so many. It's really hard to pick. I can tell you about my favorite sub who is uh, into financial domination and I've gotten a lot of money and experiences from him. I can tell you about the weirdest session I've ever had. I can tell you about the grossest session I've ever had. Um, I can tell you about times when my life was in danger. What would you like to hear? Let's go through all of them. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'll start with my favorite sub. He is into FinDom, which is short for financial domination. He is what people would consider a whale sub because I get a lot of money out of him. Anything from, you know, getting $20,000 a quarter, so $80,000 a year for him, from him. Um, he flies me around the world, pays for luxury vacations for me and my girlfriends. Um, pays for massages and spa days and Michelin restaurants for me and my girlfriends, uh, all sorts of amazing experiences. Um, and with him, it's very much just mind control. There's no real impact play. Impact play means like, normally means like CBT, cock and ball torture, or corporal punishment, spanking. Where you're literally in bondage, exactly things like that. For him, it's all just mental. So then, my weirdest. There are two that come to mind that I will categorize as my weirdest session and my grossest session. But to be honest with you, they are completely interchangeable. So my weirdest session was this guy who I no longer see. I was making a lot of money off of him, but I just morally could not do it. He had like an age power play fetish where he wanted me to dress up in long skirts and pantyhose and pretend to be his mother first and to spank him and trap him underneath my skirt his head underneath my skirt and inside my pantyhose and mommy knows best this is what's good for you and then halfway through the session I would change roles and I would become his teacher and I would come up with these tasks for him like I would give him a sentence or two to say 
and he had to repeat it perfectly a hundred times and he couldn't mess up. And every time he messed up, I'd spank him and I'd trap him in a head scissors. And... What are head scissors? A head scissors is a wrestling move where you trap somebody's head between your thighs and you cross your legs and you squeeze as hard as you can. And this is a really easy way when you're wrestling, which I also do to make people tap out. And actually a couple of times, I've trapped people in head scissors and they've passed out. So it's a very powerful move. He was very, very needy and needed constant attention and for me to text him and email him all the time. But the thing that I found so disturbing about this was that he was a middle school principal. And he had this fetish with teachers and his mother. And, you know, I am not one to kink shame. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, and I have nothing wrong with age play or authority play or anything like this. But that was just disturbing. And also, there was a certain energy that I cannot verbalize that just did not sit right with me. And I'm very much about picking up on energy and feeling a person, um, which you have to be to do what I do and survive. The scariest was when I actually thought that my life was in danger. I was working for this collective of doms, which I no longer work for. It was run by a man. He was usually totally unresponsive unless he texted you and then he expected you to respond within a minute. Um, it was really, really poorly run. He would send girls on out calls with brand new clients that he had never done any background checks for, had gotten no references for. And an out call is when you go to their home. So I might have to take the subway for an hour and a half to trek to you know the Upper West Side or Queens to go to somebody's apartment that none of the other girls had ever sessioned with, that he had done no background checks on. No vetting. No vetting whatsoever. It was really scary. He also would promise anything to the clients. He would talk to the clients pretending to be the girl. But I had gotten called in uh, a friend of mine who worked for the collective, who I'm still friends with, who's a dom, uh, she got a two-hour session with this client who was in dissociation, which is being forced or coerced to dress up as a woman and basically be trained to be a better female. An hour into her session, she calls me. She convinced the guy to do a double, uh, which is two doms, and I came over to his apartment in Ridgewood. <laughs> he was this really tall, big figure of a man who lived in this home. It wasn't an apartment. It was a two-story brownstone with two units in it, one of them being his. The other, I later found out, was his wife's parents. So I came in and he immediately was shushing me. I had to take my shoes off before, on the street, before I entered. 
to like creep up the stairs very quietly. I was already terrified because there was nobody in the apartment to hear me scream. And he was so coked out. He was shaking. He had makeup smeared all over his face. His whole body was shaking. His eyes were darting all over the place. He was very scatterbrained. He couldn't form complete sentences. This is also one of the reasons why I left the collective because they would only have sessions. The guy who ran it forced us to only have sessions between the hours of like 5 p.m. and 5 a.m. And that's not the clientele I want to attract. Most of my clients come to see me on their lunch break because they're working professionals. I don't want to see a client at 4 a.m. who I've never met before who's home and done a lot of drugs and alcohol because they're nervous for the session and everyone's asleep and something very bad could happen. So it was just a very scary situation in general. And again, like going back to what I said about vibes, I'm very much somebody who picks up on energy and it was just bad energy from the moment I walked in. So I very quickly ended the session and got out. So what what goes through your mind during a scenario like that? Or even a scenario like the one you mentioned about the teacher? I'm curious to know what is going through your head when you're thinking, they've paid me and I, I will oblige. You know, on the one hand, I'm very passionate about what I do. I think my mentality around my work is very different from most of the doms that I've met in that I see my service as therapy. I see myself as a healer. Sex and sexuality and kink are so highly stigmatized around the world. Mm. So there is so much shame around kink. And where do you think that shame comes from? Oh my God. I mean, so many, so many places. Also because we don't talk about it. We don't have representations in media of Mm -hmm. healthy BDSM. We don't talk about BDSM. We don't talk about our kinks. I mean, I'm sure so many of your listeners have kinks and fetishes that they've never told their partners or maybe are explored or explored or maybe you're in a relationship and you have a kink or a fetish and you've never told your spouse about it because of all of the shame and stigma that you feel we don't talk about it we don't feel like we can talk about it when we do talk about it people shame us for it so then we never talk about it again and we push it down and that's why there is shame because nobody is ever talking about it. So I want to create for my subs a space where they can express that, where they can unshame themselves mm-hmm. from their desires because all of it, and I ask all of my subs, where do you think your kink started? It all starts very, very early. Their first orgasm or erection. It is totally fascinating. And like I I love collecting data and so I always collect so much data and 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 try to analyze it as best I can. But for so many of my subs, their first erection, their first orgasm, their first sexual experience is somehow tied with humiliation or being dressed as a girl or pain in some way. And that is why this kink grows for them. Like, I have a ball-busting client, and... Can you explain to us what what 
is ball busting. Ball busting is exactly what you think it is. It is a dom, anyone really, kicking a guy in the nuts as hard as possible. So I have a ball busting client. I asked him, when did this start for you? How did it start for you? The first girl who ever gave him attention was a girl he had a crush on in first grade. And she was flirting with him. And then she kicked him in the balls and ran away. And so he will forever relate being flirted with by the girl he had a crush on with the pain of being kicked in the balls. I have a client that's super into humiliation and like a schoolgirl cheerleader humiliation. The first direction he ever got, he was up at the whiteboard writing something down, got an erection, and everyone started to make fun of him, including a really popular girl that he had a crush on. Sissification. I talked to a client. What is sissification? Sissification is being dressed up in a feminine way. A sissy, being turned into a sissy, being feminized. Sissification from the word sissy. He was being dressed up and had his hair and makeup done by his older sister's girlfriends. They were basically playing with him. And I know this. I've done this to my little brother. They were playing with him and they used him as their doll and they dressed him up. And here he is, surrounded by Mm. all of these beautiful older girls who are giggling and dressing him up as a girl and telling him that he's a pretty girl. And he's sexually aroused. And forever, these two things are linked in his mind. Sexual arousal, being dressed up as a woman. This happens at a very young age. We've been talking about shame. I'm curious to know... Does anyone in your personal life know about your dom, a side job, a side hustle? It started off as a side hustle. It has become the main hustle because it's highly lucrative and I love it. This is relatively new. So I've been doing this. I've been doing dom specifically for about a year and nine months now. But I've been doing sex work at large, if you count like the foot fetish and everything, the wrestling, for two years. And it's probably only been in the last 11 months that I have started to open up to people about what I do. Because for a long time, I did kind of feel shame about it. I did feel the stigma and think, you know, what if I tell these people and they're going to think differently about me now and they're not going to treat me the same And so I started opening up to my most open-minded friends and they were so supportive Mm -hmm. and so fascinated and wanted to ask me questions all the time and watch my videos and subscribe to my OnlyFans and my Twitter and, and all of these things. And I realized, oh wow, you know, people are really interested in this. So I started opening up more and more. And the more people I told, the more fans and supporters I gained. Mm -hmm. The more people wanted to pick my brain and share my stories, that is such an incredible feeling to just feel really loved and supported and taken care of. And 
to not feel the shame mm. anymore. And it's been very empowering for me because it's allowed me to slough off any shame or stigma that I may have felt to the point now where I'm so open about it. You know, a year ago, I never would have agreed to do this podcast. Mm. There's a reporter from Vice News who's doing a article on me. A year ago, I never would have agreed to be interviewed for Vice News. <laughs> um, but now I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Let's go. Let's Let's end this shame. Let's break the stigmas. Let us make sex work real work in the eyes of society because any sex worker will tell you it is 110% real work. It takes so much work and effort. And and yeah, I want to talk to you about that a little bit. So we've we've kind of referenced the business aspect of it a little bit. And I am fucking curious to understand <laughs> is this lucrative? What is the actual business like? Like are you writing contracts for your subs? Are you negotiating prices with your subs and clients are you are you negotiating commission deals with your you know unions or collectives as you have it the re one of the reasons why i left the collective was because this man it was run by a man he was taking 65 percent. this is the part of the profession that people don't think about there's an 80 20 because we think it's a hobby yeah it's not it pays my bills it pays my vacations, it buys me everything I want, and at the end of the month, there are savings in my bank account. It is 100% a career. But what people don't think about, they don't think about all of the hours that are spent creating content for my OnlyFans, my Avon stars, my Snapchat, my Twitter, all of the tweets, you're All of the marketing about business objectives. You're talking about customer retention, loyalty, and customer acquisition. 100%. That's exactly what it is. I am a small business, and I am my only employee. That's exactly what it is. There is so much work that goes into that. There's an 80-20 split. 80% of it is marketing, creating content, responding to clients, 20% are the actual sessions. So it's a lot of behind the scenes work that people don't think about. It's like if you own your own business and you do everything yourself, you don't outsource any of the work because this isn't really the kind of work that I can outsource. I can't get somebody to run my social media because it has to be my voice. If you want to do a three or four hour session We'll negotiate a cheaper price if you want to do a longer time, if you want to book me for an entire day, if you want to have an experience. We'll negotiate prices for things mm -hmm. like that, depending on the experience that you want. But for the most part, the price is the price. It's a flat rate. I don't have problems with customer retention because I'm really fucking good at what I do. <laughs> nice. I hate to admit it, but of all of the things I've ever done, and I'm a hustler, and I've worked a lot of jobs. Of all of the things I've ever done, I am the best at this. But finding clients, getting those clients, that's really hard, especially in the age of COVID when everybody and their mother now mm. has an OnlyFans and thinks that they can be a fin dom and has a Twitter and is doing all of this. 
So the market is becoming more saturated. The market is highly saturated now, which, you know, on the one hand is good because the more people that are doing it, the less shame there is surrounding it. But on the other hand is bad because there are just so many more people for clients to weed through. Mm. And oftentimes what's the case, and this is what I've heard from clients firsthand, is maybe they session with one or two doms in quotation marks have really bad experiences and then get kind of shut off from it for a while because they think that's what all of their experiences are going to be like because they're not sessioning with professional doms who have experience who are naturally dominant who are amazing role play artists and have done their work and know how to practice the art of shibari and are very interested in consent. I mean, this is another big thing that a lot of doms don't think about is consent. They think that there's just blanket consent to do whatever you want. That's not true. And I want to talk about that real quick because I've heard that sexual work is some of the most consensual sex that exists. Yeah, 100%. It has to be. It has to be, or otherwise that client will never come back to you again. So one of the uh, examples you walked me through was was torture, right? And yeah. impact. Yeah. So walk us through a scenario like that where, I mean, do you sign a contract beforehand? How are you managing your liability? Like, what if the person dies? The lines are kind of blurred, right? Right. So for some things, I require a contract, written contract. Yeah, I have contracts that I have already typed out that I'll print off and have the client sign. This is so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot that people don't think about, you know. Um, This is mostly for blackmail. They're like blackmail debt contracts Or if I'm doing something that is super heavy. So super heavy, corporal, CBT kind of stuff I'll do contracts for. For most things, I don't require a contract because most things will not result in... Impact? Is that the word? No, prolonged pain. There's impact play, and there's a lot of forms of impact play. For example, ball busting is impact play, but I wouldn't necessarily require a contract for that. If you're going to do something really intense like whipping, caning, sounding, which is taking a long needle and inserting it into the man's urethra, things where... Things can go very wrong. And so you're protecting yourself, basically. Yes, 100%. Um, but getting back to what you asked about consent, this is very important. I get consent from every single sub before our session, and I'm very specific about the consent that I get. Also, when we're in the session, I give the subs safe words. So if at any point it becomes too much, They can say the safe word and still stay in the sub mindset and still stay in the role play. Tell us what the sub mindset is a little bit. So the vast majority of my clients are incredibly wealthy, powerful men who every single day of their lives make all of the decisions, hold the fates. I want you to repeat that again. 
Yes. <laughs> the the majority of your clients. The majority are. of my clients are very wealthy, powerful men. And these are these are men we wouldn't even see on the sidewalk. They've got their own drivers, they've got Yep. They are surrounded by yes men. They make all of the decisions. They hold the fates of many people in their hands. They have all the power. They come to me because when you make all the decisions and have all of the power and control for 90% of your life, it feels so good to relinquish control and have somebody else make the decisions for you and tell you what to do. And unfortunately, for a lot of these men... They live in a world where this is the only way that they can let go. Maybe their partners are very submissive or they don't have partners. They Or maybe their partners have rejected them. Very often this is the case with clients that are married because I always ask, have you spoken to your partner about this? And most of the time they say yes and their partners have rejected it and shamed them for it. So they come to me. How do you get into character? What do you look like? What are you, how are you getting dressed? What do right, you smell right, like? Right, right, right. So this is, I mean, this is really how I get in the mindset. Different doms wear different things. For me, I like to wear, I really like to wear lingerie because a woman wearing something sexy and revealing mm. shows power and confidence. She doesn't care what people say or what people think. She loves and owns her body and she wants to show it off. So I wear things that make me feel sexy and powerful, which happen to be a lot of like body harnesses and lingerie. That being said, I like to always look my best. I mean, you're meeting me here in my apartment and I have a full face of makeup and lipstick on. You know, I like to always look my best. So I like to get dressed up and this also helps me it's like a ritual you know putting on my war paint this is how I think about it I put on my war paint I shower I smell amazing I look amazing my body is just in the lingerie you know what I mean (laughs) mentally there's not a lot of preparation that I have to do if I've never met the client before I like to keep my mind totally blank like I said I pick up energy really well I'm really good at reading people The reason why people keep coming back to me is because I know exactly what they want, even if they don't tell me. Because there's so much shame surrounding kink, all of clients come to me for the first time and they don't ask for what they want. I will ask them, you know, what kind of session are you interested in having? And they'll say, oh, you know, whatever you want. But that's not okay because if you're really into feed and all you want to do is massage and suck on my toes... That's, you're going to be in for a rude awakening if I bend you over and paddle you with a wooden paddle for an hour. That's not what you want, you know? So one of my most amazing skills and the reason why I am so good at what I do is because if a person is sitting across from me, no matter what they say, I understand what they want. And this is where consent comes back in. It's checking in with somebody. When you're on a date and you kiss somebody for the first time, and you hold their body, and you feel what their body says to you. I'm constantly, non-verbally checking in. So two two last questions. Mm -hmm. 
How has this affected your own sex life? Wow, it has made me so much more experimental and explorative. I was always pretty experimental. I also got started really late in the game. I grew up super religious. I didn't have sex until I was in my early 20s for the first time. And knew that I was interested in some kinks, but didn't really feel drawn to a lot of other kinks. But it opened my world to all of these other fetishes that I didn't know about before. And has made me far more explorative. Honestly, at this point as well, nothing surprises me at all. Like nothing anyone could say surprises me, which is great because in my personal life, I approach every sexual sexual partner with this question, what are your kinks? What are your fetishes? What are your fantasies? Let's explore those together. Nothing you say will shock me, which is really wonderful because... You've become more accepting. 100% become more accepting. I've always seen myself as very open-minded, but it's really wonderful because um, I see my clients and the fact that so many of them hide them coming to me from their partners. I want my partners to come to me. If they have some fetish, Mm. I want them to explore it with me. Not to pay some other woman to explore it with them. So it's been a really big blessing in that way. It's made me far more open-minded. It's made me far kinkier than I thought I was. I mean, at this point, like, in my own personal life, I'm a freak. Let's do it all. All the time. (laughs) Yeah. So what have you learned from being a sex worker? I've learned how to unshame myself and sex work so much about myself, the power that I hold. I've learned how to be unconditionally accepting. It's made me a better person. It's made me more understanding and accepting and kinder and reinstilled a sense of play and exploration, discovery, and really helped me understand the psychology behind sex. It has made me understand sex. Sex is not intercourse. It is not penetration. Sex is, begins in the mind. Sex, seduction, kink. It's all mental, right? Like everything begins in the mind. Amazing, well thank you. Awesome, that was amazing. It was so fun. I'm Jorgen Salvis, and you've been listening to Unshaming. For more information about anyone featured on the show, follow us on Instagram at Unshaming or visit unshamingpodcast.com. If you liked this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to Mirzi for generously providing us with her original music. You can find her wherever you stream. If you have questions or want to tell us what you're unshaming, DM us on Instagram or email us at unshamingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.